So here's a video that I want you to see on things you probably never heard your father say. Check this out. some things that you probably haven't heard at Christian men's conferences about men or from pastors on Father's Day on a more serious note. Number one, you're not going to get lots of sympathy for past issues that hinder your leadership. Speaking to you men, fact When it comes to leaders in any organization, whether it's a boss at work, a father, not many people want to hear about your internal issues that inhibit your leading. That's just a fact. I'm not saying it's not good for you to pick your spots in dealing with your internal issues. I'm not saying that it's unimportant. What I am saying is that the people you lead whether it's at work or home, just want to be led, right? And when you're not doing the job of leading, then you are leaving people without a vision. Now, this is not coming from a heart that is sour on leadership. I love being a dad. I love being a husband. I love my job, all right? However, 
I have to find ways to deal with my own issues in a healthy way. And bleeding all over the people who are following or complaining about the things that are going on in me usually turns people off. <laughs> so, men, we have to find a way to deal with those issues in a, in a healthy way. And the fact is, is that uh, most people are not going to be sympathetic to that. Fact one. Uh, here's another one. Much of what is offered by the Christian church doesn't give men what they need. Now, I'm going to speak for myself, but I think that it's also true for a lot of other men that I talk to, that I can speak for myself. I'm not inspired by a 300-pound man getting up in front of the church on some event and ripping a telephone book in half and then talking to me about what it means to be a man. That doesn't do much for me, okay? I don't need a famous athlete to try to encourage me about manhood. Now, I've been to Promise Keeper several times, by the way, uh, and, and I loved it, but I'll tell you what I remember what made the most impact. You know what it was? The drive there and back from Colorado. Because I'm with the men in a van and we're discussing things together. Or the messages that were on point with the word of God that, that touched my heart those things I remember, the deep conversations that came about as a result of that. I don't need a three-ring circus to entertain me. I do need other men in my life that I can relate to who are committed to a biblical vision of manhood. That I could really benefit from. I need something more than just famous speakers in front of me who I will never know who I will never meet, all right? Who, who tell funny stories. Nothing wrong with it. I just need more than that. I need relationships with godly men in a covenant community, all right? Who, are, by the way, are not trying to make me feel guilty because I like guns and sports. I'd really appreciate that too, all right? There, I said it. Sorry, sue me, okay? and who aren't afraid of dealing with truth in their lives. That's what men need. Here's another thing that you probably don't hear a lot from Christian leaders, is that most of us men don't have a clue as to what to do next. The dirty secret with many men is that when it comes to spiritual leadership, that when it comes to dealing with your wife who's in crisis, uh, when it comes to dealing with a wayward child, many of us don't have a clue in that moment what to do. You know how I know this? Because I have felt that way. You're thinking then, what are we doing here listening to you? Well, good point. All right, I have a great point. I just read this in a book somewhere, so I'm telling you, all right? When I hear other guys talk, about spiritual leadership, about loving their wives or raising their children to love. You know, sometimes I feel like it's so far from what I'm experiencing, and maybe you feel the same way, uh, that, that you're defeated before you even get out of the gate. Okay, you, At least you, you feel defeated. And I know all of us want to appear like we are in control of things, right? 
but often we are just reacting to the things that happen in our lives without a really sure roadmap. I hope, I hope that that can change. It's not that I don't want to have a handle on things, many things. Uh, it's not that we don't know how to take you know, some action to get help, but sometimes I just don't know the next step to take to get started. I wish I, I can't possibly count the number of times my wife and I just have gotten on our knees because we didn't know what to do next. And maybe that's all God wanted in the moment. He's not interested in giving you, you know, the five secrets of a great marriage or, you know, the 10 ways that you can have perfect kids or what to do to make more money so you can pay your bills. You know, you have all the, you know, these secrets, everything, and it's like, please stop. Sometimes all God wants is just that we fall on our knees. And by the way, do this with your kids too. Fall on your knees with your wife and say, Lord, we need help. It's amazing how you get up from something like that and sense the confidence of God flood your heart um, because you have reached out to him. You know, we can pray and ask God for help. And Janet and I have done it. I hope that that's counted for something for the last 39 years. I've learned that it's a privilege, though, to be in a relationship with men, uh, to find help in needed areas. Uh, But the feeling that you're lost and you need help, uh, that's something I think we can all relate to and are familiar with. Here's the next one. Manhood is hard and rewards seem far away and appreciation lacking. Most men won't say this out loud, but I think it's a fact. Given the cultural influences today, uh, I don't think many men would disagree that it's hard to be a godly man. However, most Christian leaders are not going to tell you the rewards for walking in manhood you may not see until the next life. We don't want to say that, right? What we want to say is, you know, your wife and your children are going to rise up and call you blessed. And then when that doesn't happen, it's like, well, what good is it, right? I mean, it's more motivating to say, boy, if you do this stuff, then you're going to see immediate change. But that's not reality. Now, I'm not saying it's you know, easier to be a mom than it is a father, but this is Father's Day, so I'm going to focus on dad. So, ladies, you'll just have to excuse me. Um, here's some facts that you might be interested in, speaking of this appreciation thing. You know that less people celebrate Father's Day than Mother's Day? Did you also know that seven and a half billion, with a B, more dollars are spent on Mother's Day than Father's Day? (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Seven and a half billion dollars. And they say the man's toys are more expensive, right? I mean, where do they get off on that, right? Men, you are not getting paid for being a man. And often, there aren't all of these accolades from the people who mean the most to you. In fact, being a father is under such attack. True story, the San Francisco Giants got sued, you know, for what offense they had? 
because they were passing out Father's Day gifts to men only. Seriously? Yeah, only in San Francisco, you're saying. Yeah, I get it. We live in a society that if the rewards are not immediate, you know, we're going to have a hard time changing behavior. I think parents understand that. Uh, Most parents who've been a parent more than uh, a few years understand that you're going to be often misunderstood, your motives as a parent, and underappreciated. And that's just the reality of the situation of, of being a parent. So if that's true, then how can you motivate a guy who maybe feels like he's not being appreciated? Now, again, I'm not saying it's unique to men, but I'm talking to men today. How do you motivate a guy who feels like maybe he's not being appreciated and he fails to see the immediate rewards for his sacrifices? I'm not saying that men deserve more appreciation than women. I'm not saying that at all. But again, this is Father's Day. So just let me, uh, let me talk to men today. Here, here are three questions I'd like to address today. See if we can't do this before we're done. What does it mean to be a godly man? Why is it worth striving to become a godly man, and how can we help you on that journey? Okay? See if we can't at least make an attempt to answer these questions. Uh, I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians 13, 11. Now, originally this was uh, written about spiritual gifts, but I don't think I am uh, tearing up the passage to make an application on Father's Day today, certainly as a, as a secondary application. Here's Paul's words. When I was a child, I used to speak as a child. Think as a child. Reason as a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Now, it may seem basic. It may seem elementary, but it's a good thing to be a man. I mean, in our gender-neutral society, in the confusion that's just causing all kinds of things to take place, that people are so mixed up about gender today that God says it's good to be a man. When God created man, he said what? It's good. It's good. And when God created woman, he said, she's better. She's better. I'm going to give you a path to think about manhood, okay? Uh, Now, these aren't original to me. Uh, This is from Robert Lewis in his book, Real Family Values. He describes a and, and again, this, this is not some secret thing, but I think it makes a lot of sense to me of the passages that boys go through to become a man. The first is this, first stage is from mother to father. A young boy has to learn how to identify with a father, to move from the infant stage of dependence on his mother and to identify with his father. That's needed for a man to be independent. That doesn't mean the mother ceases to be significant in his life and no longer has influence. It just means that there needs to be a shift in terms of of relationship. Second is from father to male mentors. Again, doesn't mean the father loses significance. 
In fact, one of the things I've learned as a father now of all adult children in their 30s is they're still my children and they're still influence that I can speak life into them or I can discourage them. In fact, my spiritual gift is discouragement to my children. (laughs) And when they're honest, they'll let me know when I say something or do something stupid. But that's not what the sermon is about, but I could do a whole series on that. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So fathers can can help their sons begin this journey to manliness. But other men are needed as well to help them. So dads, what are we doing to help our sons understand what it means to be a man? Have we, have we paved a way for them to do this? Or are you going to leave it up to the culture? Okay, son, you're a man now. Here's a condom. Great job, dad. Here, here's a gun. Go kill your first deer. Here's your driver's license. How's it done? How can we as men influence our sons to know that they are indeed men? Well, in our family, we created, you know, some of our own, not, not, not a system, but kind of celebrations when they were of age. And, and celebrated that now you're old enough to, to be a man. And we, we let them know that now you have certain responsibilities and you're no longer a boy. However you do that, there's no one way to do it. But our culture certainly lost. You know, you maybe grow up in Africa and, you know, there's certain things you have to go through. You grow up Jewish, you know, there's a bar mitzvah you go to. There are certain things that other communities have that I think the American culture is kind of lost. Margaret Mead said one of the most important things that a culture must do is to teach boys how to be men. That's not coming from a Christian. That's saying there is a dearth of male leadership. Oh, now there are many men who are grabbing at power, many men who are in control but that doesn't mean that they're leading well. The third stage is from male mentors to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we learn that our dependence, our decisions, our responsibilities are intrinsically linked to Christ. Again, not saying the mother's no longer influenced, not saying that the father no longer has influence, but just saying then when you move to this stage, you realize that your security As a man, your significance is rooted in your relationship with Jesus Christ and not what other people think of you, not of whether your wife or your children or your friends approve of you, as good as that is. But you have to realize that God is calling you to leadership when you don't have those things. But if you're looking for those things, you're going to be dead in the water because you don't feel motivated. And the reason that many men lack the motivation is because they're missing this third component of allowing the Lord Jesus feed them and to be their security and their significance because they're not getting what they want from the other people in their lives. And it's like, well, you know, what's the use? I'm just going to give up. But when when we have this security in Christ, man, that's the fuel. 
that we as men need to, to maybe at some time stand alone, to, to be courageous in the face of fear. I can't do it on my own. None of us can do it on our own. But we can with Christ. So you have these, you have these different movements, passageways, uh, you know, that are very personal. Uh, and then moving to Christ, obviously very spiritual. This is marked by submission to Christ. Uh, and listen, our culture, I, I, I just could just go off on this, is so messed up in these whole gender roles that, that, that go on and, and without any direction. People are just flying off the handle of their own opinion, and they don't have a clue what they're speaking about. The only authority they have are the polls. Are there other friends? And I'm, I'm just saying, I, I would rather turn to the Word of God who created us, who has a clue as to what it means to, to be a man, and has a clue what it means for, for women to embrace their femininity. It's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. It's a great thing. These steps may not occur in order. They may overlap, but I think they're, they're crucial in the ascent to manhood. Our Nehemiah's men's ministry, by the way, is a, is a great catalyst to help men move from this boy. And it creates our own little ceremony to help uh, men to embrace manhood, regardless of, uh, of your age. Now, let me say this to our men who maybe have lost their fathers, or your, your, your fathers are not in your life. Uh, I, had, I had lunch uh, recently with a, a young man who uh, is not from this country. And I said, well, how's your relationship with, with your dad? He goes, eh, not very good. And, uh, well, if you don't mind me asking, I, go, I don't want to pry, but why? He goes, well, because uh, we just found out he's got a second wife. What? Well, it's accepted in our country that uh, you can have a, a second wife, a, a second family. It's not, not that everybody does it, but polygamy is is allowed in our country. I go, wow. He goes, yeah, my mom's been very angry. I'm like, oh, I think I can understand that, yeah. Okay, but can you imagine? Man, that, that creates some problems. My heart went out to this young man. I mean, in his, in his 20s, just graduated from college. I mean, if ever you need a male mentor model to help pave the way, it is then, and his dad just comes along and just knocks the legs out from under his family like that. But here's what I'm saying to you, is that even in a case like that, okay, that there are other men that we can look to who can be male mentors, who can guide us, who can help us. That's why a community of faith is so important. Uh, Single moms, listen, I want to encourage you, okay, you are not alone, we can help you. And there are other men who can come and, uh, and, and befriend your sons, other women who can befriend your daughters as well, so you're not, you're not alone. So we're not left in the dark. If you're a man and uh, you're struggling with some of these issues, uh, whether it's an emotional or spiritual level, whatever it is, and, and, and you can't figure it out and it seems blurred, I think the temptation is to maybe just drift with the culture. But I want to encourage you that 
that God has something to say about this, okay? Now, Paul said to the Corinthian church, who struggled with their own culture, the Roman culture, uh, which wasn't a whole lot different from ours, he says this, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Act like men and be strong. You know, there, there, there's something about that passage just causes me to stand up a little straighter. You know, guys, quit being a wuss, all right? Quit complaining, quit moaning. Act like men. Stand up. Be courageous. Now, how do we do that? Well, I think there are ways that we can, we can move into this manhood. Listen, I want to come alongside. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to say, you know, uh, anything other than I want to come alongside and give a pathway. We may not know what the next step is, okay? I want to at least let you know a couple steps we can take, okay? Here's, here's one. And again, these aren't original with me, but, and you've probably heard me say these things before, but uh, uh, some of you maybe have just started coming in the last few months and you haven't heard these things. So uh, just see if this doesn't have some value to you. First is, as a man, you have to reject passivity. Okay, you have to reject passivity. That means that we purpose not to stay in the dysfunction. All right? We purpose not to be identified with the issues that have plagued us and maybe plagued our families, right? I mean, it's easy to stay there. It's easy to constantly tell the narrative of the creep of a father that I had. Okay, now, I didn't have one like that. I'm just saying we, we say those things. And, and all the reasons as to why I'm not leading and, and, and apparently giving excuses as to why I'm not leading. And what that does is that you are embracing your passivity. You are embracing your inaction. And I just want to say, it's time to grow up. And is it not true that there are 40, 50, 60-year-old men who are still adolescents in terms of their maturity? So we have to purpose to grow and mature and not be passive. Secondly, we accept responsibility. We accept responsibility. I accept responsibility for my own heart, the state of my heart, I cannot blame my wife. I cannot blame my parents. Plenty of problems with my parents and the way that they related. Plenty. I could point to those things, all right? Uh, plenty of, of situations of growing up as a kid that, that caused pain, and I could continue to go back to those things. But can we not face our issues and face our failures? I think we can. And, and when I'm the cause, or when I have failed myself, I have to accept responsibility for that. How do I do that? Well, I, I say the truth about it. I don't make excuses about it. And I admit that I was wrong. I confess. And then I have to do a 180. I have to repent, right? I have to say, all right, I'm going to do this instead. First-time father, Michael Bryson, was not about to let his wife's first real Mother's Day pass unnoticed, so he wrapped up his six-month-old, Jason, 
plunked him in a baby carrier, went to the hospital where Miriam Bryson worked as a nurse. And then in front of the patients and the co-workers, uh, Michael surprised Miriam with flowers and balloons and, you know, world's greatest mom, you know, that kind of stuff. Special moment for all, a lot of laughing, a lot of crying, a lot of kissing, and then Miriam had to say goodbye and go back to her job. And Michael had to, to go back to the car, and he's disgusted putting everything back into the car, you know, the balloons and everything. He stuck Jason on the, you know, the, the, the car seat with Jason in it on the roof of the car, and he's stuffing everything in. You know, the wind is blowing the balloons. You know how you ever try to do that and put the balloons in? He's just disgusted and, and complaining and finally got everything arranged, and he headed home. And suddenly other drivers began to honk at Michael, flash their lights. He couldn't figure out what was happening until he hit 55 miles an hour on the highway. Then he heard a scraping sound move across the top of the car, and he watched in horror in his rearview mirror as the baby carrier went off the trunk and onto the pavement and sliding on the pavement with his baby in it. The driver that was behind Michael slammed on his brakes. He saw all this happen, and Michael then screeched to a halt, ran to the baby carrier to check, and the baby was okay. The baby was safe. And then, as a wave of fear and guilt and shame just covered him, he wept uncontrollably there in the middle of the highway. Let me ask you something. Do you think that Michael Bryson ever left a kid on top of a car after that again? Uh -uh. His open repentance for all to see changed his heart immediately and put into perspective what was important. Let me suggest to you men that when God shines light on your failures that go bouncing down the road for everyone to see, okay, that the only response that will bring change is open and honest and vulnerable confession and repentance. If you want to continue to deny, if you want to continue to make excuses, if you want to continue to blame others, that will ensure that more of your baggage is going to be strewn along the highway. Accept responsibility. It's hard. I know it is. The third way we make progress is to lead courageously. Lead courageously. Is your marriage in need of work? When you lead courageously, you don't wait on your wife. You take whatever steps are necessary to improve. Do your kids need a dad who's a spiritual leader? You know, just start. Initiate something. Lead courageously. Say, all I know how to do is maybe open up the Bible. I can read, you know, and I can pray with them. Right, start there. That's awesome. Do it. Just take every opportunity you can to pour into that child. 
Pray with your children. They might have some questions for you when you read the Bible. You may not know all the answers. That's okay. There are ways that you can find those, right? I mean, uh, when we don't know something, what do we do? We go and get the information. Now, thanks to YouTube, you, you know, there are ways that you can fix the belt on your dryer. Just look it up on YouTube. You can, you can do that. There are ways that you can get the information. Now, how is it any different with the spiritual leadership? If you don't know how to do something, ask another dad. All right? Find another mentor in your life and begin to teach your son and daughter. I mean, what motivates us to do this? Well, it's love for our son or daughter. Hmm. The Christian faith is not automatically transferred to another generation. We have to be intentional. And whether you have children or not, you have to be intentional in your spiritual leadership. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? He has his 401k funded. He has a million-dollar life insurance policy. His children excel in sports and get straight A's. What does it profit a man to do all of that and he didn't lead spiritually? I'd suggest it profits very little. Is it worth being deliberate about our spiritual leadership? Well, I think so, because our wife and our kids desperately need it. Let me say it again. Your wife and your children need your spiritual leadership more than they need all the cash you're trying to accumulate. Nothing wrong with the cash, okay? But they need more. They need more. Let's just assume for a second, okay? Let me just talk to you men straight here. Um, as if I haven't been up to now. But, um, let's say you have a deadbeat for a wife. This is for, for, for argument's sake, okay? Let's say that your kids don't appreciate you at all, okay? Let's say that that's the case. Um, does this get you off the hook? No. No, it doesn't. This is where Hebrews 11.6 comes in. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is the fourth way that we make progress in manhood. We expect God's greater reward. I trust that God will make it worth my time to invest in my family, my wife and my kids, to be a spiritual leader, to you know, pay the bills on time. All the things that I need to do in being responsible to be a father, okay? And by the way, even if you're a single man, Okay, you still have great influence, right? That my, my obedience and my faithfulness in these things will still be rewarded. I have to take a long view. Now, if your boss is a jerk, okay, uh, does this mean that you don't have to work hard? Well, no. The response of other people around us does not get us off the hook of honoring God in these situations. 
I believe that one day we will stand before God and he will say to many of you men, here is your reward for continuing to love and protect your wife, even though she may not have realized the extent of it. Here is your reward for teaching your children, for loving them, even though they may have taken advantage of you, even though they were not appreciative. We have to take the long view. And then check this out. I take the long view because isn't that what distinguishes us as Christians from the rest of the world, at least one of the main features? Listen to the next verse in Hebrews. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Everybody thought he was nuts, right? He got nothing but derision. By this, he condemned the world. By what? By his faithfulness. He condemned the world and became an heir. What's that mean? Rewards of the righteousness that comes by faith. Men, I think, if you live to be 70 or 80, okay, whatever it is, I think when we get to heaven, we're going to realize, why didn't I take this more seriously? Why didn't I invest in this? Because for eons now, I'm going to enjoy these rewards, and I could have done so much more in terms of investing in my family. And I let it just get squandered away with these other pursuits. And not that those things are wrong, they're just not as important. They're important, just not as important. So how can we help you? Okay, well, CCC has many opportunities for men to, to grow, for men to move into leadership. I already mentioned one, Nehemiah's men's group, uh, where we help men with this passage of boyhood to manhood. There's our life groups to get you involved in, in community. We have groups to help men with pornography. Uh, we have groups to help men to grow deeper in Bible study with our men's chapel or with the, the new Bible study started by uh, Jordan Jenkins and Nick Jordan. We have groups that help train men for leadership, we have, we have a, a be, none of those groups help you. We have a bevy of godly men that can be a catalyst for our spiritual development. Men, I want us to accept the mantle of manhood. And I want us to find joy in our journey. And there is great joy. And there is great reward to be had. And I'm standing before you as a father, completely imperfect, okay? Plenty of mistakes that I have made. I'm not a perfect example, but I have reaped incredible benefit from at least making whatever feeble attempts I have made to pour in to my kids and my wife. Are there issues and problems? Yes. And all the issues and problems are not done with. They are present, but there's still great reward. And for that, I'm greatly thankful that I can converse with my kids about spiritual things.
It's a great reward. That I can openly share my affection and love to them without there being a, some you know, issue that, that's, that, that's getting in the way. I count that as extremely important in our family. And I want you to be able to experience that and so much more if we're willing just to take some of these basic steps.